podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Copite Podcast, a pragmatic Klopp gets the job done on both fronts, through in Europe and top of the league again. All this and more, next. Podcast episode 12. I'm Matt. I'm Mick. We're here with our special guest this week, Christine Walsh. Hey, got I got that part right, didn't I? No, no, thanks for having me, gents. Ah, no worries. Uh, but yeah, it's great to have you on. I worked with you in the past, which is good. For, <laughs> former colleagues. Yeah. Oh, friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a baby with Mick as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mick's jealous. Uh, so yeah, we'll just do what we normally do talk about the matches and all that. Uh, first on the agenda is Bayern. What do you guys make? I thought it was a fantastic performance. I thought it was almost a not a rain-defining performance by Jurgen Klopp, but it was certainly the type of European performance that has maybe been missing. I mean, obviously, you had the fantastic performances against Roma and City, but they were different types of wins. This was yeah. your archetypal, my God, these are very good type of win in Europe. It was the type of performance that makes Europe sit up and take notice and legitimises Liverpool, I think, in, in the eyes of many. You know, obviously, Man City... Are a fantastic club, but maybe not viewed in the same with the same gravitas around Europe as they are in England. They're still yeah. establishing themselves on that stage, yeah. haven't even reached the final yet. Roma, you know, obviously a bit of a fallen giant. Whereas you know, to to go to to, to Bayern, who are five time European champions like Liverpool, and despite what everybody says about them it being a decline in force, they, they, they pretty much controlled the game from start to finish and yeah, yeah. it was a fantastic performance and, and one that yeah made, made I think the continent take note of, of what Klopp's doing at Liverpool I think it was a very professional yeah. performance when you take into account the first leg as well uh, the thing the goal for Liverpool was don't concede because we can hit you on the counter uh, uh, and with the away goal rule as well and it just sort of we, we didn't look in danger of losing the match at all did we no teams are terrified of Liverpool yeah. and, and teams like Bayern Munich and you know, the narrative when they draw Liverpool was, oh, well, they're not as good as they used to be. And, you know, that's probably true. They're certainly not the level they were when they were winning European Cups against yeah. Klopp's Dortmund, for example. But they're still a very good team. They still won the Bundesliga what, six years on the bounce yeah. now. And they showed so much respect to Liverpool without really ever trying to bloody the noses. The, the, the only shot they had on target, I think, was, was from long range in the second leg. Um they didn't really trouble Liverpool's goal. They didn't create any clear-cut opportunities. The only chance that they had was the one where Joel Matip put the ball into his own nest. And that was just a, a lapse for Liverpool. And yeah. in 180 minutes against a team of that you know, quality, yeah. it's going to happen. But the fact that Liverpool created so many chances in the first leg and in the second leg, you know, as you say, professional and controlled in the sense that Klopp viewed this as an 180-minute game of football, not yeah. a 90-minute game, yeah. and a 90-minute game. He looked at it over the 180 minutes and he, he prevailed. Yeah, I think like Christian just said, like I think team's set up now, and I think it's a, a great comp- compliment to Liverpool. Like Guardiola comes to Anfield and he completely abandons philosophy yeah. and what he believes in so deeply. 
in order to win like I think at the Etihad I've never I think we've won, we, we mentioned that after the City game I've never seen Man City throwing that many sliding tackles in and like it was like a cup game how, how well they defended and I think it says a lot for how we played how we've been playing and I think Bayern showed us that kind of respect as well and that they abandoned kind of what they're about to try and stifle us in a way I think that's how well we've we've played and I think I think it's a great show of great respect to Jurgen Klopp and the, the, the project that Liverpool are undergoing at the minute it's weird with Liverpool isn't it at the moment it's like the better opposition we play against the better we play or it's more suited to us it feels like Klopp said after the Fulham game which I know we'll move on to but he said after the Fulham game about intensity and I think that's a big part of what Liverpool do and I think when they're playing better opponents I think what Liverpool have done very well this season is ensure that they haven't been dragged down to the level of their lesser opponents. Um, but in recent games and when it becomes tighter and when a title race is, is on, I think that can happen. Yeah. Whereas when the Champions League comes along, it was certainly the case last season and it's starting to become the case this season where it's almost like a freedom. It's yeah. almost like, OK, I know Bayern showed a bit of respect and and, 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 and they, were, they were terrified of Liverpool to, to a degree, but... At the same time, it's it's a different stage. It's a different type of game. Um, you know, Klopp said after the Fulham game, how Liverpool had to play three different types of games in a week against yeah. Burnley at home, Bayern away, and, and Fulham away. Yeah. And it's the Bayern away that they relish because not that there's there is pressure because I think there is an expectation that Liverpool go far in this tournament. There is an expectation that they they knock out Bayern Munich, but ultimately it's the type of game where they might have a little bit more freedom on the pitch, a little bit more space to play in. And you know, so approved in the second half of the uh, Allianz. I mean, the thing is, what, what I've seen as well is that in the Champions League, as opposed to the Premier League, when you're playing away, like sort of Bayern at home, there's a bit of pressure on Bayern that they can't sit back. And I think that that falls right into Liverpool's hands. I've been saying, like, when you come at Liverpool, that suits us down to a T because our defence this year is good enough to swat away your attack and then release release the boys out front. Whereas against Fulham. They're very content to just sit back and be like, "You have the ball." Yeah, it's a bit of a geeky phrase, but it's a low block, isn't yeah. it? That's what that's what yeah. Brendan used to say. Yeah. It's it's a low block, and you know there is that expectation for Bayern to to play that style of football, and that's why I've I've never known so many so much positivity after a nil nil at home in the first leg of a Champions yeah. League yeah. game because it just felt like okay, it was nil nil, but Liverpool only have to score over there. If Liverpool score, they'll go through, and 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 so it proved because you know. You can back that defence now to, to, to concede one at the very most. I still think they've only conceded more than one on, on a handful of occasions this yeah. season now. Um, and, you know, going down the other end, despite the, the, the slight struggles of Salah at the moment and, and and maybe the forward line isn't in the same form that it was last season, it's still got goals in it. It's still got that, as we saw, Mane's got two goals and, and, and they're also a threat from set pieces now. So it's very much... Liverpool have got a real chance in this Champions League because even if they were to say, I mean, I, I can't see this happening, but let's say Porto were to, to get a, an unbelievable scrappy 1-0 victory at Anfield, you'd still be back in Liverpool to go to Porto and, yeah, and, and win 2-0, 3-0. It's, it, it's a possibility. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you're saying about set pieces, I mean, in the Premier League, I think we've got the most goals from set pieces and the front three, although they're not and as good a form as they were last year, still got, we worked out before 62% of our goals in the yeah. league. But they're still firing. Oh, massively, massively. It's interesting about the set pieces because they don't normally... I mean, Van Dijk's goal is what I would say is a goal from a set piece. It's a corner, nodded in. A lot of Liverpool's set piece goals come from second balls, balls that are half yeah. cleared yeah. and then yeah. they, they pounce on them in the box. It's an interesting 
statistic when you look at it because it's sort of maybe the first delivery isn't quite good, but the, it's never direct, is it? No, it's the very, first very one really. hits the first man nine yeah, times and, out of and ten. then it yeah. comes back yeah. in, and, and they, they, you know, they're sort of alert <clears> to, the, to the second ball a lot more. But in general, if Liverpool have a set piece, they've got an opportunity. They can score from many different ways. The, the irony, in a way, is that the only place that they're not really goal scoring from at the moment is midfield. But you've got fullbacks like Alexander Arnold and, and Robertson who, who, who are chief creators yeah. in this Liverpool side it's not as important you can play that slightly more solid midfield because you've got fullbacks who essentially serve as wingers we were talking about it I think before <coughs> the Bayern match if you play the, the so called Brexit midfield mm. then it's fine because although you're losing creativity you're gaining solidity and then your wing backs are going to do the creative for you. Yeah, because they, so they you sit in perfectly once they yeah. once once our bombs forward. You, you see, like the likes of Milner will slot in for Robertson yeah. and just got allows him to go and play his game because that's that's where he's most dangerous. So it's it's sort of, it perfect, makes sense. It? You're sacrificing a bit of creativity for solidity in the midfield, which is where Bayern are probably most dangerous when you've got Rodriguez and Goretzka and Lewandowski and that lot. And then on the wings, where Bayern were lacking, to be fair, because they had Rafinha. You're letting your wing backs just run rampant. Yeah, and it's it's ultimately a, a front five. You, what what you have there, Liverpool have a midfield, and they can they can opt for a more conservative midfield, or they can opt for a for a bit more of an a, you know an adventurous one, which would maybe contain, I don't know, let's say Lallana or Cater or you know in the back in the four two three one day Shakiri. Yeah. And what that means is that Liverpool essentially, if it's more conservative, you've got five who stay back and five who go forward. So you've got your, your bank of three midfielders and the two centre backs, and then you've got the wingers. Actually, the wing backs who basically become wingers with yeah. the front three. Or if you want to go all out attack, you've got the two sort of holding midfielders and the two centre backs, and then the rest just go forward. So you've got the extra midfielder, you've got the two full backs who are pushing on, and the three in the forward line who are, who are trying to get close to each other. So at no point, you know, you think back to, I don't know, Mourinho is the contrast. Mourinho was playing 7 0 three at times this season. Yeah. Liverpool, at the very least, they'll always have five players in attack, and, and, and it's, it's fantastic. To it's see. wild, isn't it? Yeah. Well, then, we're talking about it as well. <coughs> so the Bayern match was just free flowing all out. We were going to do whatever we wanted. We knew it was going to be very different against Fulham, and it was very different against Fulham, wasn't it? We got kind of lucky in the sense that we got a. Not lucky, the pen was a pen. Mm. Uh, but it's but Rico's given the pen if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was, were you worried when I went to 1 1? No, I was zen. I was, actually, I was there in the away end and I was, actually, I, was, I was actually quite zen about it because it was just a bit. I just felt Liverpool was such a level above Fulham. Yeah. And what had happened is that I think the, the weather played this part a little bit. I don't know if it came across on television. It was, yeah, it was awful, windy. absolutely windy. And I know everybody makes the joke about you can clock in the wind, <laughs> but it really was very difficult to, to, to play. And second balls become a coin toss. And Liverpool have, have made very well this season out of winning those second balls. And, and obviously that's how they counter-press. And, and, and they, you know, they, they, they counter at such pace because they know what they're doing. But... They had that 10 15 minute spell where Liverpool drag, would drag down into that level of Fulham. But I think once they scored, it felt like Liverpool straight away went on the attack and they looked yeah. a little bit sharper. It was almost like a bit of a shake and said, yeah. It was better than to concede <coughs> then than with five minutes to go. It felt like yeah. there was still ample time. I think it was mm. 20 minutes to go, wasn't yeah. it? it was 20, 15, 20 minutes, including stoppage, to, to, to get that winner. So I was all right with it because I, I felt, even though it had been a bit of a busy performance, I felt like Liverpool would have had enough to to get back in the game. Well, take the three points even. I think now I think we've got we've got 
too many leaders in the team. Like when they scored, like you said, I felt the same. I didn't feel. I felt like obviously a bit pissed off that they'd score, but and the way and the way that it happened, like Milner playing the horrible pass back, and then the Van Dyke and Allison, and what happened with them there. Um, but I think there's too many leaders in this team now for us to worry too much. Like I know, like if it would have happened a bit close towards the end of the game, I would have been a bit more panicked. Like we haven't got much time, but if we've got plenty of time. I, f- I feel like we're all, we're all, we're always going to score given the opportunities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 they'd they'd already been threatening a little bit before the penalty, and and they threatened. Obviously, it's a little bit different when it's two one, but you know, it would have been interesting to see what, how Fulham would have approached it if it was one one for a little bit longer, because mm-hmm. they need to win. To, they yeah. need to start winning know, games. They, yeah. yeah, picking up points isn't going to be enough for them. So they probably would have had to come forward a little bit anyway. Um, so I was. I don't get me wrong. Internally, I think I was having a meltdown, but I think it was it was okay in terms of as as Mick says, they've got a goal in them, and, and not even sort of a, or they've got a you know a, a Coutinho thirty five. They will create high quality chances. Yeah. I was worried not because not not which is weird not for the league, but just selfishly because I was on my way to to Goodison to work for Capital, and I was in the the car with the taxi driver who was a City fan. And when Fulham scored, he celebrated like mad. And asked him what I supported. I said Liverpool, and he took the piss out of me. Mm. And he kept the radio, and he put it louder and louder. And I was like, you wait, you wait. And when they scored, when when Milner got the penalty, I freaked out in the back of his car, and he had to turn off the radio. Yes. He didn't say another word for the rest of the trip. <laughs> I, I hope you didn't tip him. Nah, nah. No, 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 no. Gave him a one-star review. <laughs> Did the runner. <laughs> but yeah, that was so, it, was, it was satisfying as well. Especially because yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't watch it, so I didn't know what was coming. Well, I mean, and then obvi- all of a sudden, penalty. Obvious, and I out. Obviously, as well, like you know, City don't want Liverpool to win the league, but you know, Everton don't want Liverpool to win the league. Obviously, nobody wants Liverpool to yeah. win the league, and you know, it's this whole thing, isn't it? Of oh, you know, Liverpool are going to be unbearable if they win the league, and it's like, well, everyone's been unbearable to Liverpool for the past twenty nine years since yeah. we've been waiting to, to win the league. So, you know, I think we're allowed after all the Gerard slip stuff and. And you know, all Rafa's cracking up and all of that sort of palaver. I think Liverpool fans are allowed to be, if they win the league, a little bit unbearable, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, at, at Everton played Chelsea and I was there, and Chelsea fans started singing about Gerard yeah. slip, and then Everton yeah. fans joined in. Yeah. And for like five seconds, the whole guy was in unison taking the piss out of Gerard. I was like, really? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it gets you. Do you know what? I don't mind. I'm all right with Chelsea singing it because it was Jordan and their game. I'm not all right with Man City singing it because it ultimately. Sorry, I am alright with Man City singing it because they won the, because league. They won the league. The teams that benefited from it, yeah, that's fine. Up, up, Man United singing it. Yeah. Well, it, it handed Manchester City the league. You know, <laughs> yeah. so what's what, I don't yeah. Stoke singing it and Newcastle yeah, singing everyone. it. Every, everyone else, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, why are you sense, singing it? it? But uh, the guy that basically made the difference was Mane. Mm. How good is he at the moment? He's just red hot, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's he goes through these patches, patches yeah. but I think this is feels like the longest patch he's ever been on for Liverpool. He's yeah. very, very good at the moment. I think he's definitely benefiting from the attention that Salah's getting on the other side. Oh, yeah. um, I think I was looking at the statistics in terms of this season to last season. He's doing far less when it comes to creativity, but far more when it comes to the end product of, of putting the ball in the back yeah. of the net. Um, and I think that's a bit of a, a, a tactic from Jurgen Klopp there. I think it's, it's sort of almost a role reversal with, with Salah. Um, from last season, I, 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 he's been absolutely imperative because obviously Salah's gone quiet. Firmino's quietly not been on the yeah. form that he can be on, and Manny's just stepped it up. He's been he's been phenomenal, and, and and that's so important. And that's what teams who win titles can do is one aspect of the team comes to the front at, when you need it at the very most. 
I remember when United won it in 08 09, and, and they, they had a brilliant strike force. They had Ronaldo, R- uh, Rooney, Tevez, and Berbatov. But they just kept on winning games 1 0 because the defence was so good. Van der Sar yeah. was yeah. bailing them out. They had Vidic, they had Ferdinand. The front four weren't firing, but the defence was absolutely fantastic. That's what happened to Liverpool at the start of the season. The front four, well, the front three, weren't at the level that they were at. But they had the defence to sort of hold back, and it's sort of it's worked well for Liverpool. Very rarely have they had a moment where they couldn't turn to anybody. Yeah. So it's been vital now that Mane, since the turn of the year, really has just been the man to to to, to galvanise Liverpool and keep this title uh, challenge on track. And you know, if he was to drop off, and it, it could happen, you know, it, it it's definitely a possibility. He can't maintain this score and run, or so we think at least. It might be Firmino steps up. It could be Salah once more. Maybe a returning Oxlade Chamberlain. Maybe it's time for Naby Keita. That's the important thing. As long as somebody is making the difference for Liverpool. Um, but I'm really happy it's Manny because he's a great fella. He, he works hard. I feel like he wants to win the title as much as anybody. You yeah. saw how he celebrated that Milner penalty. Yeah. Just, you know, on his haunches. Yeah. Um, he's just a really difficult player to play against, isn't he? I think even he doesn't even know what he's going to do next. I think that's yeah. Part of the yeah. like unpredictability, but like you said, he, he's literally on fire. And even if he does have a bit of a drop off in form, which he is prone to, because he does go through these patches, like you say, I always like. I know Salah will probably step up in their moments because he's a big game player and he'll, he'll take the mantle up again like he has done in the past. You look at this season, and 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 you know, there's been a lot of games at the start of the season where Salah was scoring the only goal, Brighton, Huddersfield, yeah. big games <coughs> like that. And then you look at games such as Arsenal, where the one nil down. And Roberto Firmino goes right. Okay, scores two in a minute. You know, it, it's it's yeah. everybody has taken a turn. Certainly, in it from an attacking sense, to say right, okay, my turn now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guide Liverpool through these through these difficult games, through these difficult spells. And yeah. you know, it's it's really great that Manny's stepped up to the plate because you know he's been absolutely essential for Liverpool. Very hard to defend against. Got a great understanding with Andy Robertson. Um, you know, it's it's been crucial to Liverpool. We'll talk about Salah, obviously, in the next few minutes, because he's main headline news. When Mane wasn't on form, a lot was made out of him, but not much has been made out of Firmino. Do you reckon there's something going on there? Because he hasn't really hit the, hit the heights, has he? No, no. I've, last year felt like a, not an, an anomaly, um, but he never scored that many goals in his career before. Mm. His, his career best before that was 22 um, and before you know, before that, he'd always been a fifteen goal season. You know, well, he was a number ten, wasn't he? I think you know he hasn't he hasn't scored anywhere near as many goals. I don't think he's been as influential, but I still think there's nobody better to do what he does. I think he's been asked to to play various different roles this season. He he, he had a stint as the number ten in the four two three one. Now he's back in this four three three. He's been on the left hand side sometimes, such as against. Um, he came on against, I think it was Watford, and he played left. Origi started there as well. So there's, you know, there's different roles for, for Firmino at the moment. Um, he's a bit of a chameleon when it comes to that. He sort yeah. of tries to adapt, but I think he's still absolutely vital. I'd, I think he's the man. I think if he plays better, maybe Salah plays better because I think Firmino mm-hmm. is the is, is the source of the catalyst for yeah. Yeah. dragging players out of out of yeah. position. Um, he drops deep, but maybe sometimes a little bit too deep. I think. At points this season, he's pretty much been playing holding midfield. He's, he's gone yeah, so yeah. deep to retrieve the ball, but he's again the type of player who will turn up with eight goals in, in six games and and, and and move Liverpool, you know, further to where they want to be. So, uh, you know, I don't think he, he's had a couple of little niggly injuries, and he's so he should be well rested for the rest of the campaign. I just think the whole front three is going to be imperative. I think it was around this time last season where they they truly exploded. 
Um, I think Oxley Chamberlain returning might help yeah, because I that just gives defenders <laughs> another option. I think at the moment with no Oxley Chamberlain, with no real dynamism from the midfield, I think it's easy for the yeah. for the holder midfielder and the centre back to to shut out Firmino. I think if you've got Oxley Chamberlain running at defences as yeah. well, I think that's going to give them something else to think about and free up space for the front three. Yeah. Yeah. I think Firmino, like he's the type of player. Even if he's going through these spells where he's not playing that well, you've got to still play him just for just to keep the system the way it is, and it, like try and play him into some form. Because even when he plays bad, like the work that he does for the team, it's 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 still like you said, it's imperative to what we do, and like we, we we've got to keep playing him. Like you said, if we if we can get Oxley Chamberlain back and he can, like I don't expect him to explode back onto the scene like what he what, what he was last season or whatever. Um, but if we can get Oxlade back and playing into a bit of form, and hopefully next season we'll see the best of Oxlade and Keita, and we'll have a bit definitely go better on on all four fronts. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think I've said it a few times on this podcast that Firmino is definitely the catalyst for the front three. Yeah, if you put another striker in there, it doesn't do, doesn't work the same. No, no. He drags people out of position. He plays it through balls. He gets more assists and he gets goals. Like he is the driving force behind us. So I think as long as we get him back. To like the top level, and I'm pretty sure that we'll be we'll be all right for the rest of the season. I hope I think we could do that. I think it's his passing really that 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 I've noticed has dropped off a little bit. Usually, like he picks the ball up, his touch is usually it's still quite good, but it's usually like perfect. He takes it away from someone and he'll play someone in. And I've noticed, like especially in the Fulham game, there was a couple of passes where I was like. It's basically he's, straight to the defender, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and, and it's like it's like it just play into the space, and you expect it of him now because he, he's that good. And it was just a, it was just a little bit like that. I was thinking he's he's not he's not quite there at the minute. But I mean, he's going away with Brazil, isn't he? So that's it's not it's ideal. Bit, yeah. But you know, hopefully it's sort of. I think going away for an international break can sometimes help a player, even if they are playing, because it's just a different environment. And yeah. you come back and you you've maybe seen a couple of you you know you can pass to your friends. Yeah. Um, and then you can sort of prepare for the last eight games. Fingers crossed, he comes back and he. It's the ground running. Yeah. Or at least fit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been a few times in the last few years that a few Liverpool players come back crocked, haven't they, after international mm-hmm. duty with Lalana and Sturridge to say the least. So hopefully everyone's okay. So I know that Robertson's travelling a, a good while away in Kazakhstan somewhere. I think like he's that. dropped back oh, out now. Yeah, dental. Yeah, dental. The dog's at me homework, miss. You know, how can we how can we get him out of international duty? He's got he's got two fake. No, apparently he was meant to be back. With Scotland, but now he's just not travelling with them, so that's yeah, good it's news. It's just friendlies, I suppose. It doesn't really make. And Shakiri as well as he's not he's not travelled. Yeah, he's, he's not. Yeah, he's not travelled. Well, that's well. good news, then, isn't it? So, yeah. At this point, I think we'll just take some questions. We've got quite a few this week, mm-hmm. so we've got uh, from a two-parter from uh, our favourite Daniel Moxon. Uh, he says, "Does Klopp have to switch back to the four-two-three-one to break down teams that are happy to sit back?" It's an interesting one that because you used the the Man United game is also the Templars at home and, and they were the ultimate sitting back team bizarrely because it was Manchester United but yeah I just feel they might need to but I don't think they will I think Klopp is now very very keen to sort of stick with what he knows best I think that's maybe why we haven't seen Shakiri. I think it's twofold with Shakiri. I think we don't see him in that role um, in a 4-3-3 because he doesn't really fit unless he's in Salah's position but yeah. also he can't really rely on him to to carry out his instructions to the absolute letter yeah. and I feel with the 4 2 3 one it, it certainly was very useful when Liverpool were hitting that flat spot slightly but I think he wants to go back to the 4 3 3 and I think we'll just keep on seeing the 4 3 3 that basically got Liverpool to where they wanted to be at the end of last season 
Same thoughts, really. You yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah. It's part B is just would this provide more of a platform for Shakiri to make and provide a, an influence? And like you've said, he fits in the four-two-three-one. I preempted that, didn't yeah. I? That's it, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I must have read that question. <laughs> uh, no, um, but at the four-three-three, you're not going to take off Salah. You're not going to take off Salah, and also the problem is with, with that with Shakiri, and it's you know it's not really is, and then you, you do question why they signed him. This is the case, but you get Shakiri and. Liverpool's wingers, wingers, you know, do that in inverted commas, but they're not wingers. They're centre forwards. They play inside, and what happens then? You get the the the, the width from the fullbacks. But his natural game is to sort of stick out wide and cut in on his left foot, and therefore, what's Trent doing? Where does that where does that leave yeah. Trent? Yeah. And it doesn't have that same fluidity. It's block on spaces exactly, and, and, and it's all about space for yeah. Liverpool. Um, it is an it's an interesting one with Shakiri. It's because he's not even sort of coming on as a as a substitute at times. Um, mm-hmm. His last start was against Leicester, and I know he got injured soon after, but it wasn't a great performance by him. Um, yeah. I've looked back at that a couple of times, and because I've, I've been scratching my head, going, "Why isn't Shakiri?" So I've, I've, I've sort of watched that game again, and I think Leicester ran through him a couple of times. I think he's just. I think Jürgen just wants to stick with what he knows now, and that's probably why you're not seeing Nobby Casey as much as well. He wants yeah. people who are absolutely on point, both defensively and offensively, and Shakiri doesn't necessarily tick one of those boxes. Not to say for his attitudes, not to say for his, his work rate, but is he as good for taking up those defensive positions? Does yeah, he know no, exactly where to go? Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he has gone off the boil a bit as well, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah there's no denying. He, he was a super sub for, for, for a he's fair got, while. He's fourth in our goal-scoring charts in the yeah. Prem. He's got six. And then the next one's three. Mm. So, but I don't think he's scored since since United. Was yeah. it United? Yeah, yeah. United. yeah. the double against United. Next one by Steve Carson says, "Do you think Salah's struggling under the weight of expectation?" A little bit. I think he's a. I think he's a very emotional player. Um, I think you saw him for Egypt, and I mean, there's more. I don't actually know what more expectation there is. Liverpool winning a, a, a you know it's Premier League or Champions League or Egypt winning a World Cup game. Um, but it was, I suppose, it visibly sort of dragged them down for Egypt. Now, you know, granted, playing with Egypt must be a lot harder than playing for Liverpool yeah. in terms of the, the quality of teammates you've got around you. But it just feels like he's somebody who does wear his heart on his sleeve. He's, you know, he loves the football. He gets frustrated. Um, you know, he used to sort of have that smile on his face a little bit. I know it's a very cliche, had a smile on his face and yeah. now he's angry. But you can see sort of getting wound up with himself sometimes when he's, yeah. when he's making the wrong choice and. I just think the expectation... I don't think he's actually... He's not performed to the level that he's been at, but I think the expectations that are on him are probably very unfair. What he did last season was an absolute, you know... Just blew up, super over. It, it was yeah. a supernova. You, was, you don't it, see that. And it's a one-off. Like It's, yeah, it's, it, it's one of them that's just... It, it happens it, once in your career, and you've just got to accept that exactly. and accept and it, that you're not going to get that level again. And it, <laughs> happened, it happened in his first, his first yeah, season yeah. at Liverpool, which is 44 goals. It's yeah. 32 in the Premier League. And he wasn't even a striker at that point. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Um, so you know, it's 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 one of those where he, I think he was overperforming last season. I think this is probably he's probably underperforming now, but he's still some player. And I, I think yeah. just because he was so good last <coughs> season, I think we're always going to compare him exactly. That, and he's probably doing that himself. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's important. I don't know what's getting said at Melwood, but I think it's important for somebody at Melwood to say, "Look, Mel." Don't worry, you're, you're doing all the right things and, yeah. and it will come. Yeah, I think similar to what you've said, I don't think it's a, an expectation for everyone else, maybe an expectation that he's set on himself. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that he's now, as opposed to last season, he had one player on him. I think this season, there's like three players on him. Yeah. And there's not much you can do when you've got three players on you. Yeah. 
my only concern is that lately, although he's not been scoring, he's been playing quite well. Been creating chances. He's been missing them. He's he's been in the right position against Fulham. I think he just seemed a bit too eager mm. to score, and he I was. Think that's the one of the qualities that sometimes plays against them because sometimes he'll, he, there's been chances where he can just square it and we can score, but he'll try and shoot because he wants that confidence back and he wants to score a goal, which I get because he, <clears throat> he wants to score goals, obviously, but he, he sometimes sacrifices that. Like tr- Obviously, he wants to be selfish, but like there's times where he needs to realise that we just need to put the ball in the back of the net as, as easy as easy, easiest way we can. I think sometimes he needs to... Like you said, if someone has a word with him and just says like you need to like realise that last season was just like a mad one. So yeah. you need, like you, you were pinging, <laughs> but you were pinging <laughs> balls in from thirty yards top yeah. in, and it's not going to happen every yeah, season. Exactly. Yeah. So I think he, he'll definitely score again. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and hopefully, <coughs> hopefully he gets a goal through the well for later, and then his confidence will just stay up. But I think he's still scored seventeen goals this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, he is top scorer joint with Mane, so yeah. he's not doing badly, is he? No, no. Got another question now from Nick. We've answered one of them. Why isn't Shakira getting any game time? Purely formation-wise, yeah. isn't it? Um, out of these three players, Chamberlain, Naby Keita and Adam Lallana, in peak form, which one would start against the top four and which one would start against the bottom four? Now, for me, if I'm Klopp in top four, I'm putting Chamberlain in just because he's explosive and to counter-attack, then that's what you want. Bottom four, I think either Naby or Adam because they're a bit more creative. And when you sit back, I think you need a bit more creativity as opposed to explosiveness. I'm not sure what you guys think. I'd go along with Oxley Chamberlain. I'd probably go I'd probably go Lalana, bottom four just because I feel like Get the job done. Yeah, the, you know, he proved against Burnley what he can do. Um I mean that that would be this season. I don't think I think going into next season you've got to look at maybe a slight upgrade on Lalana. Um but you know, he's he's a he's a fair squad player. Um I'd like to see more of Naby Keita, you know, and I think he's in, in, in the, the the certain games where he, he would flourish, but I think in the top four, definitely. I think Oxley Chamberlain is the one where it, there's so much space to move into. He can he can definitely exploit that. Who would you have instead of the Lana? Would you get rid of the Lana and bring someone in like like for like for him, with the likes of like a Brooks or something? Or good question. Um, I don't because he's thirty thirty one now, Lana. Yeah, I keep I, you know it's one of them. I keep him round. Um, I wouldn't like look to sell him, but you know if he wanted to move on for first team football and then. I, I wouldn't be averse to, to, I don't know, picking up like a, a, a Demabai or a yeah. Julian Brandt player in centre mid nowadays yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. or promote from within. You've got Curtis Jones who's coming through. Yeah. Um, you know, is ben, ben Woodburn, everyone's forgotten about Ben Woodburn. Yeah. You know, can you get something out of Ben Woodburn? He's still yeah. only 19. Is yeah. he going to be a number eight um, going forward? So, you know, there's, there's definitely options there. Plenty of options, isn't there? We've got Harry Wilson as well that's coming Wilson, back. I know he's yeah. a bit more advanced, but do you he's reckon he's got a future? Yeah, he's played to Derby, yeah. Do you reckon he's got a future at Liverpool? What would you think? I think he's unfortunate in the sense that if, you, if he was a mirror of himself and he was a right-footed player who plays on the left cutting in, I think he'd sort of have a real opportunity at Liverpool because there's nobody really who can fill in for Mane and that role at the moment. Uh, Firmino's done it a little bit. Origi's currently having a go. It's definitely an area that Liverpool needs to strengthen in the summer. Um, you know, a right-footed, left-sided player. But unfortunately, he's in the same position that ultimately Mo Salah plays. He's in the same position that Jadon Shaqiri plays. So it's hard to really see any room for him. Any room? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd keep I wouldn't him, write him off. I keep him off. But it's 
it's whether he's happy as well. It's whether he, he feels like the development of his career will, will go elsewhere. He's gone, he's gone a little bit quiet, hasn't he, recently? Obviously caught the eye with some fantastic goals. But he, he, it'd be great if he did. Um, I suppose it's one. It depends on how Shaqiri develops, you know. Yeah, you'd keep him. Yeah. Um, Game of Two Halves asked what our team of the season is so far. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have had time to do it, but I did it. Just for the, for the Premier League? Yeah. Yeah, go on. And I struggled to not pick Liverpool and City players all the way through. So I made sure that I didn't pick two players that weren't Liverpool right. or City. So in goal, I've got Etheridge from Cardiff because mm. he's done, made a couple of important penalty stops and they're climbing the table now. They're not safe, but they, can, they, they could be. And at right back, I've got Matt Doherty. Yeah, he's been really good. But then, then it turns into like a Liverpool City, just orgy. <laughs> like it's Van Dijk and Laporte, Robertson. In midfield, I've got Genie. Who I've loved this season. Mm. I think he's been unreal. And Bernardo Silva, then four up top. <laughs> four to four. Sterling, Aguero, Salah, and Mane. Mane. I mean, it, it, it's when they do the PFA team of the year, it is going to be hard to not have a complete city in Liverpool, isn't it? It, it is going to be it's hard, be, such as the domination. I, mean, I probably. I think goalkeeper wise, I'd get Allison in there. I really would. Yeah, I, I just would. didn't. I, I, I know, had Allison originally. I, I just you, felt bad. You're trying to think outside the box, aren't you? It's just, but I know I what you mean. Bad. I'd have Wan Bissaka. I'd have Wan Bissaka. I think Wan Bissaka, mm, but yeah. I don't think Doherty, Doherty's been brilliant. Yeah, I'd try does. maybe try and get like Neves in there for Wolves. Oh, yeah, or yeah. Neves or Moutinho. Yeah. They've they've done well for Wolves, but then again, you've got like Fernandinho. How can you leave Fernandinho out? So I'm not really giving an answer here, am I? But it's it's. It is very Liverpool, Man City heavy, but I think that's that's ultimately the way it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how the the um, the pros vote for it um, at the end of the season. Well, in April time they vote, don't they? Um, I'd imagine somebody like Rashford might get in, or someone like Pogba, you yeah, know, cause, because because it's a good second half of the season. Yeah, and it's, it's it is a lot of recency bias um, yeah. with 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 that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 mainly Liverpool and, and City. I think I, don't, I can't see any Arsenal players. Definitely can't see any Chelsea players. Um, not many Tottenham. It's been a bit of a weird one. I don't think Ericsson will get there just because of you know I can't really see one of their defenders even getting in there this nah. season. So it's, it's been, be we've had like the best defense in the in the league. So it is weird to yeah. think that Liverpool will have the best. It's yeah. Something I've never it never usually happens. Like. Yeah. Could definitely, you could make an argument for champion right back if you yeah. really wanted to. Yeah. Likewise, Walker. So it, yeah. mm. you could have an exclusive Liverpool Man City yeah. eleven if you yeah. wanted it. That's I mean. There's like you said, recency bias. Like the likes of Terreira who started off really well for mm. Arsenal. If he would have kept up that type of form, he would have definitely been a contender. But remember when we on our first podcast had said that I'd take Terreira because Fabinho wasn't really mm. hitting the heights, and now it's just switched. Now Fab <laughs> is just like <laughs> mental, and Terreira is. You don't hear about him anymore, yeah. do you? Yeah, it's 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 it just shows you how not that anyone wrote anybody off, but it just shows you how you've got to sort of let things develop over the course of a season. I I was I was massively down on Fabinho. I, I thought it was very concerning the fact that Jurgen Klopp wasn't playing him. Um and he clearly didn't trust him. Then he obviously had that came against Arsenal where his head was just going like the Exodus, you know, yeah. like three sixty on a on a swivel. But um like he's 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 become one of Liverpool's most important players. Yeah, he is. I think this question from Scott Mason is more for you, Chris, than, than us. Was there ever a rumour that you thought was basically out of shit and it turned out to be true? Bloody hell. Um, Put it on the spot, really. I'll tell you one that, that, that I heard, um, and it wasn't like a rumour on Twitter. It was, it, was, it was 
a name who, who somebody told me and, and it got thrown out there and I thought, nah, never in a million years. Andy Robertson. Did you? Couldn't see it. I was just didn't understand it. I was yeah. just like, what the fuck? I was like, Robertson from the, 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 the Scottish lad from Hull? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robertson. I was like, nah. And then basically they went for him. They went for him 12 months earlier and it didn't come off and I can't remember why. Um, and then they obviously went for Chilwell and nah fell through and then he got sort of his name came up again and I was like nah that'll just be a that'll just be a case of somebody putting two and two together and lo and behold it happened and Mm. and, you know it was that was one that really surprised me just because I thought Andy you know Liverpool are trying to aspire to be the Champions League side what what are they doing signing Andy Robertson yeah exactly Uh, so Robertson's definitely up there can't really think of, of, of many others. Um, There's one I can think of. Not that I wrote about it, but that one night I got I heard and I went, "There's no fucking way." It's Balotelli. Yeah, yeah. When well, we first I, got linked. I was. I like, was. I, no I was yeah, I, I was actually on tour with the Echo um, in in America, and Rogers actually got asked about him. Um, it was either before or after they played AC Milan, which yeah. Balotelli was a part of um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Rogers was just like, and he wasn't lying. He was just like, no, it was absolutely yeah, fantastic, that, fantastic that, yeah. player, but yeah. absolutely no, no interest whatsoever. Yeah. And then lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, <laughs> yeah. I, t- I tell you what, as well, I tell you what did take me by surprise, and it, it was, you know, it was always it happened so quickly. Was um, Coutinho going to Barcelona? I was absolutely convinced that they wouldn't sell him in January. Same, I, was, I thought it was going to go there. And then it, started, it came out a couple of days after well, Liverpool signed Van Dijk officially on the first. And it came out on the second or the third that you know Barcelona were in for Coutinho, and obviously we'd had the info for for ages that in the summer, nah, he's not going to get sold. And then Liverpool brought out the statements like they're not going to sell him in the summer, like great, okay. So it started to happen again in January, and I just went, here we, you know, it's just yeah. here we go again. Then all of a sudden it was like started hearing things and going, do you know what? I think I think they might actually sell yeah, him. And then yeah. he, then he wasn't in the squad for um. Then he injured his back, and then he wasn't in the squad for the Everton game. And I remember just a really funny thing: we, we were outside the club shop before the derby in the FA Cup, and his shirt wasn't for sale. And I just thought, hold on a minute, this is <laughs> this is a bit weird. This, yeah. and yeah, lo and behold, about twenty four hours later. Yes, yeah, well, I think I, I I started with the echo about a few days after that went through. Mm. Remember the the first day there, it was all like, what the hell is going on? What, what this Coutinho money? What's going to happen? Who are we bringing in? Like. It wasn't. I was convinced we weren't going to sell him halfway through a season, mm. and then when he went through, I think everyone was convinced. All right, well, there has to be someone coming. Yeah, yeah in. they've got someone lined up. They obviously have got someone lined up. And the whole yeah. of January was like, all right, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then it was just like, shit, no one's coming <laughs> in. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, yeah. it didn't work out so too Yeah, it, 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 you know, it, it, it took me by surprise, but you know. Um, yeah, so I suppose those those two recently, anyway, are certainly certainly ones. I'm sure when I was younger, and you know, when I wasn't sort of as ingrained in in sort of the media and all that as, as I, there must have been a couple where I was like, nah, no chance. But Balotelli was a good one as well. Any for you that stick out? I think, like you said, Balotelli. That was like, like you said, I remember that interview that Rogers did, and he was like, no, no interest at all. And then we fucking saw Balotelli. He's like, what's going on? Well, what happened is that they basically everything fell for him and they were left with absolutely nothing yeah. other than Mario Balotelli or no one. What was Balotelli thinking then? Obviously, he has to click in his head that, oh, really? I mean, like your fifth choice? Yeah, exactly. It was, I think he wanted Eto'o before him. You know, yeah. He went, he to, went Everton, to of course. Was it Everton? Think, was, it, was, it, was, it, was it, it was at Chelsea already, was it? Chelsea, yeah. 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 We've got, I think, 
one more. Oh, we've got two. Yeah, we've got one more, and then there's a little, little something. So Fletcher says that he thinks it's quite clear we need a striker. Who would you want us to sign, and would you keep Origi? I'd keep Origi because I've been quietly impressed with how he's he's, 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 he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's obvious. We've talked about <clears> it loads. <throat> time. I'd sign Werner if given the if given the option of anyone. Realistic, I think it's Timo Werner. I think Werner ticks the box of yeah. being that Manny. Anyone on the front three, yeah. yeah. No, not a replacement, but composition for Manny. He can yeah. play on the left, and but he's also a number nine. He can do that. Um, he's the obvious one. He's also the fact that he's only got 12 months left on his contract in the summer. Um, not the fact that a gym should matter, but he'd obviously adapt well with, with Klopp as a manager, you'd hope. Uh, he he struck up a decent partnership with Naby Keita. It, yeah. it, it would it would be one that made sense. He's got if a high got work rate as well, so that helps. Yeah. And what is he? Twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, so he's very really young. Yeah. He's, he's really young. Obviously, Liverpool fans are the pedal at times that Leipzig are notoriously hard to deal with. But the fact that his contract expires in twenty twenty should make things a little bit easier. It would thinking a little bit outside the box. I I think that um, I haven't seen much of him. I just see him score every week, and I've seen little clips of him. That that Jovic at Frankfurt. Yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's, right. he's on loan from Benfica. Benfica at the moment have got Jovic and Jimenez on and loan, Jimenez, yeah. mm. <laughs> which is amazing. But uh, I don't They're know what it's quite just, a bit of cash in the summer for those two. I reckon oh, yeah, massively. I mean, Wolves will will exercise that. Unlike, yeah, Wolves have to have, have like a to. clause there. Yeah, yeah, unless Chelsea storming with a seventy million pound bid or something. Yeah. But um, I don't know what the situation is with Jovic and if. You know, you know what his loan terms are, but he's he's someone I'd look at as well. Anyone Werner for you, bro? Uh, yeah, I've, I've said it before, Werner. I think keep it Rigi just because, like you said, he's been he's been quietly good. Like the way he's been going about it, like he's not been in the team very much, and then pops up with that Everton goal, and then I think it rewards players as well. And you can't yeah, do things on yeah. sentiment, but he's obviously trying hard and training. He's obviously impressing. He's coming. He's coming on and doing exactly what Klopp's asking him. You can't just sort of. Use players and then and then get rid like that. I mean, you can, but Klopp is treats these people like human beings as, as yeah. you should. So they'll they'll lose storage. So I don't see why you wouldn't keep Origi. For me, the fact that Origi's still here shows that he's going to stay. I think there's a reason because I think Origi was on loan when Klopp came in, mm-hmm. and then one of the first deals when Klopp had him was all right. You're back on loan. Like I don't need you. Then he's come out from nowhere, worked hard, and Klopp's been like, you know, Klopp, Klopp sent Ings on loan. Sent a few players out on loan. He thought, "No, I'm going to keep you." Well, he sold Solanke as well. Yeah, yeah. he's clearly seen something in Riga that goes, "No, I want, I want you yeah. to stay." But if we're thinking outside the box, I wouldn't mind Kramaric from Hoffenheim. Yeah, it's a good shout. He's not rapid, but he's technically good and I, sort of that Firmino-esque mm. player. Poach another one from Poach another one from Hoffenheim. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Another one. <laughs> but I, I like Kramaric. I know he failed a bit with Leicester, but I Your think he's coming. He, he's yeah. coming. He's coming on his own, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. The last was not really a question, but I saw this from. Daniel Moxon again, who's our, our editor, and he says that he wouldn't want to sell Mane, but um, would you accept it if Madrid offered Mane and Varane? I wouldn't. I think I'm, I, I'd rather keep Gomez and have Mane than have Varane. Yeah, I agree with that, simply because I think it's it's harder to get a quality Mane replacement than it is a quality centre-back. I think the licks there at the moment. We were talking before. Um, I think that a Kanji at Dortmund. I think there's a there's you know even you know if you don't even want a top quality one because you're happy with with Van Dijk and Gomez, even if you went for I don't know Tarkovsky. There are there are yeah. centre backs there who will do the job. Yeah. Whereas no, I, I wouldn't sell Mane. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't sell any of the front three. Uh, it's interesting because it's going to become something for Liverpool to think about soon. 
in terms of what they do with this front three because they can't put all their eggs into this front three basket because the 26, 27, all yeah. three of them now, yeah. they've probably got another three years left in terms of together, maybe two, um, two more seasons after this. So what do you do? What what do you? How do you make sure that they don't all just sort of finish together and all of a sudden you're going shit? Yeah. What 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 what, what now? You know, yeah. basically we've got to start again. So the the big task there is to basically bring in players who will eventually replace them, but are absolutely fine integrating in the next two years. That that's that's going to be quite the challenge. And we all know how hard for me you know is to replace anyway. He's a unique player. Really. Yeah, he's different. Um, he's a striker, but he's not a striker. Exactly. It's, like it's, bringing it's, in these players like year on year, like if we brought like Werner in, who's like twenty two. Yeah. Like, and if you give him a bit of time to integrate into the team, like you said, into the squad, if these players start leaving. There we go. Mane yeah. goes there. But I think, Werner straight in. I think that's the issue with Werner. That Werner's now Germany's first choice striker. He's playing week in, week out at Leipzig. Is he going to be happy? This is the this is the yeah. in a bit part role. Like so I they, said, yeah. Jaden Sancho. Like I'd love to have him as like a potential Salah or Mane replacement. He's playing week in, week out with Dortmund. Dortmund. He's breaking into the England yeah. team. Is he going to want to sit on the bench? Exactly. It's so. This is the. It's it's actually a. A problem for Liverpool, yeah. I'd say, eventually, because because they are all of a similar age as well. They're coming yeah. through together. Obviously, you've got Paul Glatzel, you've got Bobby Duncan, but I mean, they, you know, Ryan Brewster as well. Of course, who's a lot closer to the first team than those two. But you can't just sort of get to let's say twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, and then just go right. What now? You, there needs to be a moment where you need to start transitioning. I mean, we'll see in this window because the reinforcements are needed. We we need a striker and we need a winger, definitely. So we'll see now what the kind of plan is because Liverpool now are a completely different sort of power than they were three years ago maybe Averna's happy to sit on the bench mm. for a bit maybe we're not going to get Sancho but maybe players like that are happy to be like you know what you're in the Champions League you're in the league you're going to play 60 games a year yeah, yeah. I'm happy to play 30 we'll just see what happens it's been the better squad we've got the further we're going to go in all these competitions which means more games for these players mm. so like City if you look at City's bench like they've, it's ridiculous what they, sure they've Mahrez got isn't bothered, is he? that's what I mean so yeah well that's all the questions we've got just Bit of time we're talking about your career, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, no problem. This this should be a short segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you wanna how did you get into journalism? Uh just basically went to university. Um always, you know, used to read the Echo. That's not just like product placements, they used to read the Echo. Um obviously love football, love the idea of writing about football. Went to went to uh, university, studied uh, English, um, then did a master's in journalism and then just just Got a lucky break, really. There was a, a, a six-month contract coming up for the World Cup in 2010, um, working on the World Cup, not at the World Cup. I think I was in South Africa, but it was working <laughs> on the World Cup uh, with the Telegraph. Um, applied for that, got that, and it was just sort of the foot in the door that I needed. Yeah. Um, so I got straight out of you know straight out of university, straight out of my master's course, and they're always working for the Telegraph on a on you know one of the world's biggest sporting events. Um, and from there, you know, it created contacts at that place. Um, moved to Sky for a little bit on a full-time job, but then, you know, I still was still doing bits and bobs for the Telegraph. And at that point, I made the decision that I'd rather just go freelance um, and then just basically started grafting me, me arse off in terms of just doing every hour God sends for any, you know, company that it would take me. Um, so I ended up, Freelancing mainly for Telegraph, uh, BBC Sports uh, over in Manchester, uh, Media City, um, ESPN as well. I was I was doing a, a lot of Liverpool content for ESPN, um, and then just doing little bits and bobs where where else I could. Um, did that for about two two and a half years, 
and then uh, decided as as fun as this is and you know as as as, as great as it's going I'd quite like a you know an actual wage at the end of the month that I know I'm gonna get mm-hmm. um and I was you know fortunate enough to get a land a job at the Liverpool Echo um you know basically as a, a general sports reporter uh, that was in February 2014 my first day was the one day after Liverpool beat Arsenal 5-1 that um, oh, was fun, wasn't it? No, it wasn't too bad. It was like <laughs> a, <laughs> a, a, a skirt all two others. That was the skirt, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so that was that was excellent. Um, and it was actually funny enough the Fulham game, the three two midweek. That was my first midweek. So yeah. yeah, it was it was you know, and I've been there uh, well I was there for five years. Um and just recently moved jobs, still sort of part of the echo, but not. Um I'm employed by the wider publishing company which used to be known as Trinity Mirror um, it's now known as Reach uh, PLC and, and, and they're responsible for owning Liverpool Echo Manchester Even News Newcastle Chronicle um, you know Bristol Post all yeah. of the regional titles uh, and basically it's called a football project and, and the idea is that it's bringing a new audience to, to, to an old platform in the sense yeah. that you know you don't really read about so I, I've got three three uh, specific sort of right well four writers over three um job titles and, and they deal with tactics and scouting um and they produce some really excellent stuff about you know some really deep because there's a big movement about analytics in football um i've got a, a gaming writer um who will cover things like fifa and football manager because there's a massive massive the massive market now a isn't huge there? market a young you know emerging market oh, yeah, in that yeah. um you know it's something i don't personally not don't get it. It's just like I play a bit of FIFA, but you'd be amazed. You know, it's going. Play. It's Football huge. clubs have got like their own virtual Liverpool yeah. favourites to win yeah. the EPL, which is the, the, yeah. the, it's the inaugural one. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's, it's the inaugural one um, next week, and they've basically got the best player in the world representing them. He's a seventeen-year-old who's um, a Liverpool fan from the Midlands. So it's yeah, the, it's crazy. It's, it's the, the amount of money some clubs put into it's incredible, and also a, a football finance writer. Um, he's only just recently started with us, but again, it's the type of thing that normal. I put normal journalists. You know, I was a normal journalist. They haven't got time and or, or necessarily the, the knowledge base to, to be an accountant as well. They don't. You get your club accounts and you read them, but sometimes you don't really know what they mean. Yeah. You look at kit sponsorships and you don't really know how this has worked out. And uh, my guy Dean, he basically will go through you know accounts and and and, and sponsorship deals and he'll be producing things on basically how much money you might expect Liverpool to spend in the summer based on previous accounts and that sort Fair of thing enough. and it's yeah. it's really interesting. It's it's he's already he hasn't he's he did a little bit um for the Echo actually. I'd recommend you check it out as well basically the Champions League prize pot um and how it's it's put together. Um and the fact that Liverpool have won five European Cups means they get a bigger slice of the pie, which very few people knew. So it's that type of thing because the day to day journalists are, are so busy bringing you know the news to to, to people obviously James Pearce yeah. Ian Doyle they, they work tirelessly to bring the latest news to Liverpool and, and, and they don't necessarily have the time to delve into all of these things so these guys that I, I look after basically um, are doing that sort of thing you know they're doing the the, the, the deep analysis and the tactical yeah. debriefs they're doing the, the gaming and they're doing the finance yeah. doing the specialist stuff basically yeah it's, it's all specialist and it's, it's, and it's not you know it's Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle and yeah we'll speak with the, the, the local editors and they'll just basically say you know you know, Manchester United are, are going to announce a kit deal you know, can you do a piece of some yeah. work for us? Yeah. So it's 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 really That's good. Cool. It's uh, it's expanding, you know, because ultimately 
you know, the internet is a the, strange it's not, place. It's, it's, well, <laughs> it is a strange place. It's an infinitely strange place as well in terms of, you know, there is no such thing as a finite space with the internet. Mm-hmm. And there's always, you know, people think football journalism has reached saturation points on the, on the internet, but it definitely hasn't. There's no. so much more you can do with it. You know, this podcast, you know, alone will show you that, that you can take something and you can you can build something and, and give something fresh to the audience. So that's what we're trying to do in terms of that kind of output. How many Liverpool managers have you met? Ooh, Klopp, Klopp, Rogers, Rafa, Kenny, Hodgson. Five. Not in, not in an official capacity in terms of, but I've done press conferences with, with those five. Which, which one do you reckon is the most welcoming to the journalists and which one's the, the coldest, would you say? Uh, As a, from the outside looking in, it seemed like Klopp's the, 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 the one that's nicest. And then Rafa seems like the coldest. But Ra- Rafa, Rafa apparently is really nice. Rafa's the nicest. Is he? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not doing that from personal experience because I haven't joined at that point, but I've done press conferences with him and I think everybody sort of knows a little bit of Rafa. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, 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 yeah he's, a, he's a great fella. Klopp's friendly when he wants to be. He's he, Look, he's a great guy. He's, he's very personable. He's, um, you know, he is... A good fella, you know what I mean. It is hard. It isn't an act what you see in front of the cameras. Yeah. When 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 that door shuts and and you speak to him behind closed doors, um, he's a he's a great fella as well. But you know he plays the game very well as well. He he will only tell you what he wants you to know, and yeah. that's that's fine. That's that's yeah. absolutely how it should be. Um, but did, you saw he did tear Vinny. I think Vinny O'Connor to shreds when he asked him that question about. Uh, do you need to prioritise the Champions League? And he was like, I'm the only bloody manager that gets this question. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, and, and and he can he can definitely get his back up when um, you know when when he's asked something he doesn't like. But you know, a lot of managers do. I, I, I it's been you know I think I probably that will clock more than any other manager from my time because he came in at the time when I was just starting to truly cover Liverpool yeah. properly, yeah. and you know he was he was only ever always answered the questions, always just a, a really nice guy down to earth and uh, yeah did a little bit of Brendan um, yeah I, Brendan was fine you is know. he as stereotypical in, in private as he is in person uh, like the, the little nuances and stuff yeah like I, I suppose nah, <laughs> I, David Brent. yeah I don't know I, <laughs> it's funny because I think it would be unfair for me to say yeah because I think I probably went in there with a preconceived idea because I met Klopp on the first day I sort of his first day it was sort of it was a blank slate and you sort of yeah. got to see yeah, what he was yeah. like whereas when, when I met Rogers, he was already X amount of years in the job and he had that sort of aura around him so yeah. he'd probably be saying something normal and I'd just be thinking mm, you know that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. but you know again I, I found him at the couple of times I dealt with him in terms of you know press conferences and after after press conferences you know nice nice guy um, the, the football managers are just normal people really yeah. Um they're just, you know, they're under a lot of pressure, under a lot of stress, and um, I think it's it's hard. You know, I know for a fact. I think Klopp gets massively annoyed at the number of press things that he has to do because it isn't like that in Germany. Yeah. He has to do a press conference before every game. He has to do a press conference after every game. He has to do LFC TV. He has to do the odd sit down interview. Does German. I, I don't think because obviously we're in England and we just also see Sky Sports and we read our papers but it's a global game and there's yeah. so much that the managers have to do both pre and post match yeah. um, that's the reason why you know when you're a journalist and you're waiting post game 
the managers might come into like an hour after full time because they've been dragged here, there, everywhere, mm-hmm. getting asked the same questions. And by the time he comes into the press conference that usual will see in terms of you know Sky Sports News are filming it, he'll sort of sometimes lose like this is the twentieth time I've been asked this already because it's just sort yeah. of you know it's just it's incessant because that's where the money comes from. It's all about the, the brand yeah, and it's yeah. all about you know and Klopp is a is a face of that brand, so they can't get enough of him, but. Yeah, it's what I'd, I'd be the you know obviously I'd be the likes of Liverpool won the league anyway. But you know for for, for Jurgen Klopp, I feel like he's had a bit of stick over the years. Um, not probably, I think not getting over the line. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's a, he's a good fella and he, he cares deeply about Liverpool and the city, which is which is nice and something that Liverpool managers should do. Yeah, I think he's the perfect person, the perfect manager you want us to win the league with. Yeah, because like in the past, the likes of Rafa who didn't celebrate anything, and he just used to like write little notes <laughs> or whatever, and you just like show some emotion. Like Rogers was quite emotional as well, but Klopp, like he encapsulates everything about Liverpool fans, yeah. doesn't he? I think I love Klopp. You compare him to Rogers. Rogers, like we'd score, be a little, yeah, little one of those, and then Klopp's just going mental. Yeah. Klopp yeah. celebrating slide tackle slides and that. So you know, he's just he's so invested in everything about the culture of the city and everything. Exactly. Like he's just. I remember, uh, the, sure, I'm not breaking any Tracy, because I remember sort of being in the post-game breakout once, and you know, I can't remember what game it was, and he was just talking, actually. And, um, you know, there's a, a, a video of, of a penalty incident, and he just sort of, like, just laughs and just goes, I can't believe he's not given that as a penalty. You know, and he's just sort yeah. of, he's just sort yeah. of, and then he just talks to you as a person, just going, can you believe that's not a, like, yeah. well, you know, do you, do you think that's a penalty? And it's just that sort of personable mm-hmm. thing where, yeah, he's, he's he's a really good fella, and, and you know, to be fair as well, um, Liverpool as a as a press um, facility in terms of the press office is fantastic. They're um, very very helpful and and always willing to to help out. So you know, they've, they've got it nailed at Liverpool. Yeah, it's a good, very good club. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank you for coming on. No, uh, thank you. Cheers. International break coming up. There's not not really matches to talk about. Just hope and pray that no one gets injured. Yeah. You'll hear us next week. Network.